This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hassan Remus with you for the next couple of hours and uh, really looking forward to this program. I'm looking forward to Thursday night. Bombers and Alouettes, blue and gold, looking to get to 10-0. and 0. And who better to talk about the undefeated class of the Canadian Football League than TSN's and Blue Bomber legend, Milt Stiegel. The Turtle Man's going to join us coming up a little bit later on. And then we'll also break down a little bit more on the Jets offseason, some hockey news and notes, a little Bombers, as well as Jays with Mike McIntyre, who was uh, along with probably uh, hundreds or thousands of you in Southern Manitobans watching the Jays and the Twins in uh, at Target Field over the course of this weekend. Uh, we will get to our horse picks a little later on. We've got some cool bet lines to get to on some action this evening. And by the way, just quickly speaking of cool bet, a lot of people wondering what's up with the lock shop this week. Yes, I have gone four straight weeks picking the winner on the PGA Tour. The picks are in. The picks are out. Wherever you're getting this podcast, search lock shop, subscribe to it, or check my Twitter feed or Dustin Nielsen's for the video episode. Hit some CFL this week, PGA, and a little bit of baseball for tonight as well. But um, as far as we're going... We'll talk some Bombers. We'll talk Jets. Some interesting news in and around the National Hockey League involving a former Winnipeg Jet, which we'll touch on. Uh, but before that, a big thank you to the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day. Special thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake, who took such amazing care of us over the last few days over the weekend. Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, and of course our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get to it and welcome in the brains of the operation, Michael Remus. Remo, what is going on? Wow, brains of the operation. That's quite a compliment. My uh, nose is growing right now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's wow. I'm flattered. Nice to be here. What a beautiful day it is outside and counting down to the, what is it, Thursday Bombers, Al's. But we'll, I'm looking forward to having Milt Stiegel on. We actually have had some hockey news here the last couple of days. This is a good time. Yeah, no doubt. And by the way, and I know I mentioned this yesterday, but I went through some messages and whatnot that I did not see when I was off the grid. A lot of props for you holding it down the way you were able to uh, oh, yeah? host and have fun with everyone over Thursday and Friday. So great job on that. The station's still there. Numbers were strong. People were here for us on Monday. And uh, this should be a great show today uh, with the two of us here for it. Now, we will get to some bomber talk. Uh, of course, we're going to break that down with Milt Stiegel. Not a whole lot happening on the Jets scene today. But tomorrow, we're going to have a special guest from the Winnipeg Jets, Remo, and that is the newly married and newly signed to a three-year deal, the pride of Green Bay, Wisconsin, Mason Appleton coming up on the program. Um, it'd be great to catch up with him. He has had uh, quite the last few weeks, to say the least. Last few weeks? It's been quite a year because we had him on last year after he was selected by Seattle in the expansion draft. 
I don't know if anyone remembers the show where him and Gary came in at the same time we had to bump Gary for Mason Appleton. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he had a tough year in Seattle. Um, I think he struggled getting to the lineup. 17 points in 49 games, was reacquired by the Jets. But since then, seems to have found a home here. Got married. We showed the picture on Friday's show. And now he signed a three-year contract for $2.167 million AAV, $6.5 million total. We talked about it quite a bit yesterday, but looking forward to chatting with Mason. And I wonder if he's what kind of conversations he's had with the, uh, Rick Bonus and the new coaching staff, what kind of role we're going to see him on the team this year. Will he be a third-line role? I would think maybe him and Adam Lowry, possibly Morgan Barron, or a new acquisition. We'll have to see you know, if the team is going to... They're not done yet, um, you know, adding to the roster. So uh, I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Maybe we can talk about the Packers as well. We usually touch, touch on them and his golf I'm game. I'm wondering whether his wife is a cheesehead. Yeah. Like, I, I have no, I mean, as I said, I didn't even see that photo. So I don't know a lot about, uh, you know, whether this is, you know, a longtime girlfriend back from, you know, where he's from or whether it's from school or not. But I always love, especially when people have such hardcore allegiances to a team uh when they're when they're entering into the nuptials whether their partner is all in on that or i mean the best is when you have like a viking fan and a packer fan get married or like an <laughs> yeah. oiler fan and a oiler fan and a calgary fan and we did see a lot of that fun stuff in and around the battle of alberta this year uh but anyways mason appleton on tomorrow's show and we will also have one of the greatest players in offensive line history in the Canadian Football League, the man himself, Stanley Bryant, coming on the show tomorrow. That is going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, Stanley will fill us in on preparations for the squad heading into Thursday night's game. Now, we will talk Bombers coming up with Milt in a few minutes. But, Remo, let's get to a little bit of this news in the National Hockey League and a big day for former Winnipeg Jet Jacob Truba. Announced this morning as the new captain of the New York Rangers. Yeah, you know it's a big announcement when Cameron Weeks has the report last night showing off his uh, Rangers jersey. Uh, I think I don't know, I think this was a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, we knew that last year they didn't have a captain. Gallant going with all assistance. You know, when Truba was here. He was wasn't able to be the you know top pair right side defenseman that he had always wanted to be, and I think he was being always held back. Of being right side, always right side, always dreamed of it, and he couldn't get to that. Here was traded to the Rangers in the Neil Pionk trade. I never, I had never thought of him as captain material, but I think he's really took his game to a new level. You saw him in the highlights. This year, seemingly every night, taking somebody's he was a menace to society. Yeah, or like at least a dangerous. menace to the rest of the league. He's he's dangerous uh, out there. So, you know, congratulations to him, and I think he's really fulfilled his potential in New York as top pair right side D and now captain. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't help laugh when you say that, and it is true. But we'll all remember yeah. the infamous press release from Ko Enterprises and one Kurt Overhart when he was trying to get traded out of here earlier. And we all remember how that played out. The Winnipeg Jets said, oh, well, you just take a seat. Let us know when you want to uh, when you want to get together and make something happen. They did the two-year deal. And then with one year left on Truba's team control, 
he got shipped out to the blue shirts and um hey you know what he signed the big long-term deal i think you know when they signed him they envisioned this as a spot for him and i'll tell you what he is um he's come into his own he's a top defenseman and now he's the captain of the rangers i'll say this though i was a little bit surprised not that i don't think truba could be a good captain in the nhl but when you look at the other players in that room, Zabinajad, Panarin, but especially Chris Kreider, Kreider's been a lifetime Ranger, signed the eight-year extension, as did Truba, and then put up 52 goals last year. He's the veteran in the room. I really did think that Chris Kreider would be the guy, but um, obviously yes. looking at this new generation of Rangers going forward, a little bit younger, a player on the blue line, um, Truba gets the uh, gets the honor and the responsibility that comes along with wearing the C in a big original six market. Yeah, that's I'm New York. I mean, you know, you feel like a proud father almost has Truba drafted here, you know, Not came me. up here. You don't feel like a proud father for Jacob Truba. You watched him grow up. You know, him and Shifley had all those videos talking about watching a high school musical and all that. And now <laughs> captain, captain of the New York Rangers. And I agree. I was shocked that Kreider wasn't the captain already. He's been there for so long, 31 years old. He's signed a big deal. Um, but I think Truba, you just watch him play and it gets you fired up. I mean, I don't know what he's like in the room, but... I mean, good for him. And he did have the video that the Rangers tweeted out. Yeah, let's play this. And this will be, for for podcast listeners, um, you can go to the Rangers site and see it. But essentially, you know, they were ready for this day. And this is part of the reason why the People's Insider, Kevin Weeks, knew that it was being released in the next 24 hours, probably. Some of his little birdies said that they were doing some recordings, working on some things for an announcement, which all came through today. Uh, some greetings from his teammates, but also part of the video they put out was a was a letter to Rangers fans by new captain Jacob Truba. This is uh, how it looked if you're with us on YouTube and sounded for you folks on the pod. Dear Rangers fans, it is a privilege and an honor to be named the next captain of the New York Rangers. I've said before that it takes me a certain amount of time to adjust to new surroundings. After coming to a new team and a new city and getting to know new teammates and staff, it took most of my first season until I felt at home. I know I'm ready for this. There will be challenges. We will face adversity, but I will give you all I have. Our goal is to bring a Stanley Cup to this city. And while I can't promise it, I can promise I'll give you my heart trying. Thank you, Rangers fans, for your consistent and continued support. I can't wait to see you at the Garden this year. As intro to Ranger fans as the captain of NYR. And I'll say this, Reem. I mean, he did play very well for Winnipeg for a long time. But even now, what, three, four years removed, I almost cannot look at that guy and think anything other than one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in my life. Game five against St. Louis, trying to just hold the puck behind the net for the last, what, 25 seconds of the third period. And we all remember how that ended up. I was wondering how long it would take to bring up. <laughs> it's kind of funny because Truba was part of one of the greatest moments 
in Jets history, scoring what was it the tying goal against yeah, Nashville? Yeah, and the comeback against Nashville. And maybe I'm oh, getting chills thinking about one of the most electric atmospheres uh, at whatever Canada Life Center, LMGS plays MTS Center, whatever you want. But the I could also like his last game as a Jet was that game five against the Blues, where yeah, 20 seconds left goes to has a puck behind the net, goes to pin it against the boards. I was there with my dad, and I'm like, stand up saying, what are you doing? There's so much time left. Move the puck. And uh, I think there's a, there was like LeBron memes. You remember the J.R. Smith? It was like him like this with Truba doing. There was like, it was like people were bringing that picture, I think, on signs for his return. And I remember what short scores with you know seconds left, and the Jets lose Game Five, and you know, don't show up for Game Six, and the and, the team has gone downhill, downhill since since then slowly. But um, I mean, I didn't move. My dad and I, we didn't move for a long time. I think the building was empty before we got up. Like that was a, that was a devastating loss. And again, so much stuff has happened since then. Truba leaving, Bufflin leaving. Myers well, I, leaving Tanev. I, I might even offer up that that was the turning point in, I, I guess I should say, I mean, listen, we talked at length about what happened in the second half of that season. The Jets were right at the top. They ended up blowing the division, um, meeting St. Louis in the first, uh, in the first round. And the last few months of the season, they weren't playing very well and they were nothing like the team that, you know, did all those special things in 1718 and even in the first half of the year. That being said, after the start of that series where the team lost the first two games, they came back and won back to back in St. Louis and regained home ice. And it really did seem like, um, you know, the jets had woken up, flipped the switch as everyone was waiting for it to, to happen. And it sort of did. And they were up to nothing in that game. There was the infamous Kevin Hayes pulling the goal of sure goal out of the net. And then the comeback started, but that play in particular, not getting it to overtime, having the team. I mean, you mentioned how shocked everyone was in um, the team was as well. I mean, they basically barely showed up for game number six. I mean, that was for all intents and purposes, a five game series that ended on that goal. And from that moment on, Everything has changed for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, obviously, there was COVID. There was a lot of things that's happened to all teams around. But you could say that that was the final year, really, of the opportunity. And if you look at what the team is going through now, um, I would certainly say that, you know, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and go revisionist history. But some of the changes that we've talked about happening last year, this summer, uh, if you back that up to after that 2019 season and responded with some, you know, significant change, and I would suggest the head coaching spot would have been maybe the place to start. Maybe we're all in a very different situation right now with the team. Yeah, I maybe maybe you're right. I, I'm not sure it's fun to look back or maybe not fun in this case, but I think it's pretty clear at when you the team's history that. You know, midway through the 2019 season and after the, you know, after the loss to the Blues and the no-show in Game 6. And we talk, we're talking about this now because Truba was just named captain. He was a big part of those Jets teams. You know, the window, you know, what you thought was, you know, opening started to close. And uh, I'm enjoying a lot of the comments, uh, comments here 
from the chat saying, uh, you know, one play didn't lose the game. I agree one play didn't lose the game, but we can still talk about key plays from the game. I thought that was Kevin Hayes' best game as a Jet, even if we can talk about him <laughs> taking the puck out. The, only, the reason why he was able to prevent a, his own goal was because he was playing, playing so awesome in that game. And there was one other comment. Someone said, oh, we should have traded Truba when he asked. I was like, well, he was a huge part of that team that had led them to an amazing first half of the season. And, you know, that was a Stanley Cup caliber team that lost to, to the Blues, who did go on to win. So uh, Truba, a big part of those teams, named captain today and allowing us to look back on some Jets memories. Yeah. Hey, one other thing that we really, I mean, we were talking more about the Bombers and so many other things, the Bruins signings yesterday. One thing we didn't get to from the weekend, Brad Treleving signing Jonathan Huberto to the eight-year, $10.5 million contract. And this really is incredible, Reem. When you think about, I mean, how blindsided I'm sure Huberto was that he was traded from the Panthers to Calgary in the first place. And after being there for all those years, Johnny Gaudreau leaving $15 million on the table to sign a seven-year deal in Columbus. And Jonathan Huberto shows up in Calgary and before he even skates on the ice at the Saddle Dome, gets Johnny Gaudreau's check put in front of him, signs the deal, and is now inked for the next eight years. I, absolutely fascinating the way this has played out with the Calgary Flames. And, you know, again, like often when you're signing guys that are 29 years old. I mean, maybe by the time they're 37 or 36, the deal doesn't look as good. But for a team that had such a great season last year, to get Huberto signed in the fashion that they did, avoiding all sorts of drama next season, I mean, it can't be anything else but a big win for Calgary, who I think have really done an amazing job at salvaging uh, where they're at right now out of what was pretty much a no-win situation. Yeah, we had the report that uh, I think it was like Thursday night or something. Elliot Friedman said, Brad Treliving went out for dinner with Jonathan Huberto in Montreal. And the next day or something, um, the next day they had announced the contract. It was the evening during the Bomber the bomber game. And I mean, what a win for Huberto. Um, you know, you're not part of the long-term plans in Florida. You know, Calgary had all this money. They were going to offer Johnny Gaudreau. And then they just changed the names, you know, change it from Gaudreau to Huberto. You know, the EAU remains. But, I mean, he hasn't played. Gets his mind. Why not sign with them when they say, oh, yeah, we'll give you $84 million? Because if you turn it down, you know, you could end up like a John Klingberg who's getting the one-year <laughs> deal in Anaheim. So, I mean, we don't know how it's going to work out in Calgary. You'd like to think it's going to work out really well and they're going to be very good again. But uh, hey, when they're offering you, you know, whatever, ten million a year for what is it, seven seasons? I forget, eighty-four million dollars. Eight. Ten point five by eight. Eighty-four yeah. million dollars. That's total. a lot. Guaranteed. And, USD. You know, maybe the last couple of years are are kind of rough for a guy going late thirties. But look, they needed a win. Um, and if you're going to give the money to Goodrow, you're okay with that. You should be okay with giving it to Huberto. So I I like to move for Calgary. Now if they can get Uyghur signed. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, there were some fake Twitter rumors out there. I don't don't believe those, but yeah, fake news. When when a guy with ten followers is breaking a signing, folks, I mean, yeah. step away from the uh, step away from the social media feed for a little bit, or uh, potentially just throw out the mute 
or the block. Um, I know some people talking about the World Juniors. We will touch on that. Just a couple Jets prospect in this event. And what is weird, Remo, is that the, and I was talking with some friends in Edmonton. Um, there is, I mean, usually when this event is held in Canada, there is a real buzz around it. Now, I think it was already up against it taking place in the middle of August. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of money at stake that I think Hockey Canada, the IIHF wanted to still, um, you know, hopefully squeeze out of this tournament and it's far more profitable in Canada than it is everywhere else. So certainly I think that was a big part of the decision to do this. Like, let's just say that if this event was in the United States or Slovakia, Czech Republic, I, I don't think we're having a tournament right now. And then when you add in the black cloud around Hockey Canada, um, you know, I think it is uh, one of these events that some people who are huge fans of this event normally at Christmas time probably not going to be spending a lot of time uh, watching it. And it'll be fascinating to see what the numbers are like. I did see some views, some pictures of the rink yesterday, Reem. No rink boards for any sponsors, as you can see. I don't know what the value of all that is that is essentially being burned but it really is significant. The only one that is there is on the other side of the rink. It's Tissot, I believe a Swiss watchmaker. Um, but this is sort of uncharted territory for this tournament and for Hockey Canada. Although um, some positive news, I guess, with Hockey Canada uh, is that Andrea Skinner, who's actually Jeff Skinner's oldest sister, has been named interim chair of the board for Hockey Canada, and I believe uh, even in an interim role, um, she is the first female to uh, lead the board. So um, there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit in and around this event. We'll talk about it coming up with Mike McIntyre in a few minutes. But we are going to get to uh, some football talk with none other than Milt Stiegel. Uh, before we do that, I want to give a big thanks to our friends at Wallace and Wallace for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, the fencing and overhead door specialist, including Boathouse Doors. Yes, Wallace and Wallace installs and services Boathouse Doors. In fact, if you're on the lake and a boathouse catches your eye, chances are it's one of theirs. Steel or aluminum doors, polycarbonate or glass panels, and a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. Wallace and Wallace has you covered, and with galvanized tracks and springs to protect against rust, you know their doors are built up to stand up to the challenges of life at the lake. They'll also service your door for you. You can give them a call for all of your needs at 204-452-2700 and hit them up at wallacedoors.com or check out their showroom on Lawson Road. Uh, I'm getting ready for spring. i got a wedding coming up in a few weeks. And then, uh, of course, uh, hopefully, you know, had such a great time at the Rady dinner. A few more things like that. Where guys need to get dressed up. If you're like me, probably didn't wear a suit, barely even put a collar on for the last couple of years. Time to change that up, fellas. And there's no better place to uh, spice up the wardrobe than a trip down <clears throat> to Andrew and the Gang at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at just $400. More options then you can imagine, get the perfect suit for you that fits and looks great. And not to mention three custom shirts right now for $210, a great summer special, all sorts of accessories and more. And hey, wedding party, planning a wedding next summer, talk to the guys at F Apparel, 15% off for all the wedding party 
if you guys get your suits over at F Apparel. Check them out online as well at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. Uh, the Gang of Vita Health, helping Manitobans and Winnipeggers enjoy their holiday summer. Stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural grocery supplements and beauty products, all at great prices. Grab and go deli with Vita Market soup, salad, sandwiches, and incredible barbecue options, including lean bison steaks, chicken, burgers, dogs, and if you're entertaining, sober carpenter beers, clever mocktails, some great non-alcoholic options for you. And hey, if you can't make it into one of their seven locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, you can shop online and schedule an in-store pickup at my vita.ca and once again a huge thanks to the gang over at Aikens Lake had such an amazing few days there on the weekend thanks to Remus for holding it down on Thursday and Friday Pitt and Julie Turen Enzo taking care of the amazing cuisine for us while we're there our guides Liam and Paul just an absolutely magical few days for us if you're thinking about maybe heading out to Aikens next year Talk to Pitt Turen right now. You can hit him up on Twitter at Aikens Lake or check out the website at AikensLake.com for everything that awaits you at Aikens and to book for next year. All right. We got a couple days until the Bombers are back at it, looking to go to 10 and 0. Stanley Bryant's going to join us tomorrow on the program. Really looking forward to that. Uh, but no one we enjoy talking Bombers with more than TSN panelists and all-time bomber great Milt Stiegel, who joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Milton, how are you, my friend? Great to have you man, on WST. I, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on, man. I'm excited, excited about the CFL and, of course, what the Bombers are doing so far this season. Yeah, it's a pretty fun topic to uh, to get to, certainly on the show, walking the streets of Winnipeg. Um, this team, Bomber fans have been on a high for the better part of the last three years with the 2019 Grey Cup running it back last season. But Milt, I mean, I don't even know where we start with um, just how impressive running the table through the first half of the season has been, especially when you consider the schedule and how much football yes. they played. I mean, uh, you've been talking a lot about this on TSN, but uh, how about them Bombers? Man, it, it, it has to be awesome to live in Winnipeg and Manitoba right now because what the Bombers have done, as you alluded to, since 2019, basically since Zach stepped on the scene, you know, it's been truly amazing. It, it's a good time to be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber and a Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan. And what they've done this year is even more amazing. Uh, 9-0 and uh, on the verge of hopefully being 10-0. and And the way the season has been structured, you know, they're the only team who hadn't had a, a bye week. Uh, you know, they played two games on the road within six days, and they were able to weather that storm. So right now, in my opinion, their only opponent is themselves. And you look at this upcoming game, their toughest opponent is that bye week. You don't want these players thinking about that bye week because man to man, physically, they're a lot better than these Montreal Alouettes. But if those players start thinking about going home and seeing family and sleeping in their own bed, that could somewhat uh, get deterred from what they're trying to do. So as long as they're focused and what I've seen and what I've heard of what Mike O'Shea does in week in and week out, as long as they're focused, they they should they should start the season ten and zero. Well, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned Coach O'Shea because uh, it, it just seems like under Osh they have built the most professional workmanlike culture of accountability, of showing up to do your job, and every guy playing for each other. And uh, I mean, there would be a plenty of games earlier on in this season where you could have understood maybe a little bit of a letdown. I mean, considering how much they played, the travel, all those things. Mm -hmm. 
Like Crochet won't even mention that stuff. I mean, those excuses don't even begin to enter the conversation. And right. um, I mean, sometimes it's boring and cliche, but they're looking at the next practice, the next rep, the next play, the next game. Um, and as boring as that might be for the media, that's what wins football games and what wins championships, isn't it? 100%. And, and I talked to a guy, head equipment guy, Brad Foddy, who's been there basically since went forever. And he told me, and he wasn't talking about any bad about any other structure or any other head coaches, but he said what Mike has O'Shea, what Mike O'Shea has in place is, is almost flawless. It's almost perfect. It's impeccable what he does, what he preaches to his, to his, to the players, to the coaches about moving on regardless of what happened and making sure everyone understands their role and become superstars at their role, not superstars, but superstars at their role. So, I mean, it's truly amazing what he's done for this organization. When you think about it, some years back, there were a lot of people saying, we need to get rid of this guy. He's not, he's not fit for this organization. But what he's done, the way he keeps his composure and the way the team follow his lead, it, 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 it's truly something special. Uh, if I'm correct, I don't know if Michael Shea is under contract next year. I don't understand what's going on with that. But if I'm the Wittenberg Blue Bombers, I'm, I'm writing him, a, uh, giving him a blank check and saying, Whatever you want, we're, we're willing to give it to you because he's done so much, not only for that organization, for, but for the entire city and for the entire province, Manitoba. Well, there won't only be a check waiting for Mike O'Shea, but I'll tell you what, if they can get it done again this season, I think they might start working on that bust outside the stadium yes. right now because, I mean, he's <laughs> certainly doing things that have never been done. Um, and, well, I mean, we haven't had a three-peat champion since the Moon um, Edmonton right. teams of the early right. 80s. So it really is incredible. I want to ask you about the, the the offense in particular. Zach Caleros has had a wild season. I mean, there have been a couple games. I mean, even Montreal threw a few picks. The Edmonton game where they won, completing only seven passes. But man, Mill, I mean, the way, especially earlier on when the offensive line wasn't totally intact, the right. way he was right. creating time, creating space to give his receivers a chance to get open. Um, I, I mean, I know we've all been talking about Nate Rourke and we'll talk about the incredible season that he's having right now. Uh, but man, Zach is playing at a very, very high level and you can't win nine games in a row without your quarterback leading the way. Not, not in the CFL. If your quarterback is not playing well, you're not going to win too many other games. Ask the majority of teams in the East and they'll, they'll answer that question. So uh, he's playing at a high, high level. Uh, and it's been that way since he stepped on the field at the end of 2019, and, and those players are feeding off of him. You talk about that offensive line. There were some talks because early on, uh, Brady, Oliveira, Augustine, whoever was in the backfield wasn't, you know, getting a bunch of yards, but now they're getting that going. But this offense is, is, is going to continue uh, to play as only as well as their quarterback, Zach Kolaris, is playing. And he's playing, once again, at an MOP level. Uh, of course, you know, we saw some mistakes last game, but when you have a team as good as Winnipeg, not just offensively, when your quarterback, when one of your superstars is not playing uh, to his best at the time, those other facets, those other players will step up, and that's what happened. But Zach will continue to play at a high level. He's found his groove. Uh, him and uh, Buck Pierce uh, has ha have a great relationship. That marriage is still in the honeymoon phase, if you ask me, the way they're going. So it's a great it's a great mixture of uh, players and and attitudes and and the way they're playing right now. They're just having fun. Yeah, of course their 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 schedule early on was tough with not having to buy, but when you're winning, you're having fun. You see players dancing, having fun, enjoying themselves. They don't care who gets the credit. As long as they're winning, everything looks good for this team. Uh, uh, Milt, um, being the uh, the great uh, 
at the wide receiver position, I wanted to ask you about uh, the guy that has to be the leading candidate for the rookie of the year, Dalton Schoen. I mean, what a um, what an emergence he's had in this Bomber offense through the first nine games. I mean, rarely do you see a rookie come in with that sort of an impact, but I mean, he has answered every test and every challenge and seems to be getting better and more comfortable with each game. It's it's and, and I won't put him on the on the level as Nathan Rourke as far as impact at a young age, but what he's doing, it's 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 pretty amazing. And I say that because most young guys, especially Americans, when they come in, they feel comfortable at the outside receivers. It was that case for me, D. Roy Simon. We talk about this. It takes a while to get used to that slot as an American. It took me about uh, fifteen to sixteen games. Say same with G. Roy Simon when I talked to him, but. Uh, Sean has been able to step in and it's like he's been here before. It's like he he's he's been practicing on this for years because he's he's able to adjust right away. And it's 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 almost like he's he's him and him and Zach have been practicing for years because they're on the same page. And he's not a, a fast guy or anything, but he knows how to use angles. He knows how to separate from uh, opposing defensive backs with his size. And uh, when he gets open, Zach knows how to find him. So. The fact that he's able to make that big impact at that slot position only in his first year, that's a testament to, to not only him, but to Zach and, and Buck Pierce and everything and the way they surround those players. So good for him for making that adjustment right away in the CFL. The Turtle Man, Milt Stiegel, with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk discussing the undefeated Blue Bombers. Tickets still available for the game Thursday night at IG Field in the rematch against the Montreal Alouettes. Milt, you mentioned Brady Oliveira, and we listened to him speak with the media yesterday after practice, coming off a couple real solid games. Uh, and he mentioned the pressure that he was feeling taking over for Andrew Harris, the responsibility of being in that job, and just how tough it was when things weren't going well early on in the season. I think back to two key games, the game in BC, where the bomber running game was really snuffed out the earlier in that week against Toronto. And he rushed for 80 yards or so in the first quarter, and that seemed to open everything up for Zach Caleros. Uh, and he had a real strong game against Calgary a couple weeks back when they were down some players and really needed it. How much more scary of a Blue Bomber team are they for the rest of the Canadian Football League if this running game is able to consistently move the chains? Yeah, that's the problem. That's a big problem, man. You just look at the last two games, and you can't compare him to Andrew Harris. You know, you're talking about one of the greatest running backs in CFL history and the greatest Canadian running back. But he's starting to look like Andrew Harris in these last two games. Some of the catches he made, some of the runs he's made. And if they could get that running game back to where it's been when Andrew Harris was there, they're going to be a problem because we know what Zach does at a quarterback. But now that offensive line is able to come off that line of scrimmage and smack those defensive linemen and linebackers in the face because they have that running game that sets up the, the play action pass and the sky is the limit for it. So I know there was a lot of pressure uh, put on from the outside. I'm sure Brady was putting a lot of pressure on himself. You know, you're trying to replace Andrew Harris, which you can't replace. And I say, don't try to fill his shoes. Just make your shoes your own, make sure your own shoes are tied tight. And it seems like that's what he's doing. He's creating his own path. He's not trying to follow the path of Andrew Harris, but that running game continues to keep churning out, especially when you get into those, October and November and those bad weather games when you need that running attack, it's going to be some some, some a tough time trying to stop this Winnipeg Blue Bombers from winning another great cup. Well, and, and you know, from a receiver perspective, how exciting is it when you see that running game start to get going, especially early in a game? 
because of what that means for what the defense has to worry about and the opportunities that might give the opportunity uh, to guys in the passing game. Yeah, it opens it up. It forces teams to go to man to man and all receivers. That's all we want. Give us an opportunity to play, go mano y mano, and we're going to make some plays, you know, and when you're running the ball like that, those linebackers, they have to come up tight. They have to come up because they have to try to stop the run. And that's when you get the big plays. That's when you get the big plays over the top. That's when the receivers get to showcase their skills, score touchdowns, dance, take off their helmet, throw off that long hair that some of these receivers have. But that's what you live for. But it's not easy. You know, you have to grind. Receivers have to go out there and make sure they do their job and block it so you can create those big plays. But it seems like it's happening now. Well, we saw early on the running game was struggling, but right now it seemed to be going in the right direction. And they needed the last these last two games. But you bring those two games together, the running game and the passing game, you have a complete game. And they're 9-0 now, and imagine what they can do uh, once they finally continue to keep that running game going. Milt, when you look at the Bombers, just to finish up talking about the blue and gold, I mean, is there any areas that you can see that this team really needs to improve or have they sort of set the bar and they just need to maintain that going through the rest of the season and into the playoffs? Well, of course, you have areas. You want to improve in every area. Uh, I mean, I haven't – I've watched film, but I haven't just nitpicked like coaches do. And I'm sure if you go into a meeting, Mike O'Shea and, 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 and Paul and uh, Buck Pierce and all those other coaches – they're finding areas where they need to improve because other teams are seeing those areas and they know, well, maybe this is where we can expose them. So there's always areas, regardless of how the game went, where you can improve on and you want to make sure you keep improving. When you're the Bombers, you have to understand every single week is like a great cup for other teams. They're trying to stop history from being made. So they're giving their best effort plus another 20% to try to stop that history. So Every single game, these Bombers have to understand that those areas that they don't think they need improvement on, they better improve improve on it because these other teams are definitely looking to expose those areas. Milt, uh, the game of the week in the Canadian Football League has got to be Calgary and BC. Uh, BC's lost once to Winnipeg. Calgary's lost twice, both to Winnipeg. I mean, this is really a matchup uh, between these two teams battling for second place right now in the division. Um, thoughts on the season that Rourke's having right now and this matchup coming up this week between uh, the uh, next two teams in the West and in the CFL. Yeah, he, he as I mentioned about Sean, I think Rourke, he may be in his second or third life. He's been here before. He's he's experienced this before. It's, there's, there's no way that someone of his age who hasn't played much in the CFL can come out and just dominate the way he's dominated. Uh, it's good to see. It's good to see a young quarterback come in, especially Canadian quarterback who a lot of people thought couldn't make it in this league. And the way he's dominated, the way he's played, the way he's made his team uh, offensively, defensively, everyone has gotten better. And this is the same team besides the quarterback that they, they've had the last few years. It's just they put in a quality court. Not saying anything bad about Mike O'Reilly, but the way that 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 Nathan Rourke has played is is it's 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 unfathom. I haven't seen a player make his team this much better since uh, what Doug Flutie did with Toronto Argonauts in 96 and 97. It's, it's, it's amazing to see, and it's going to be hard to stop. And we saw Winnipeg was able to do it. It'll be interesting to see what these Calgary Stampeders is able to do. And, and one final note on that, I guarantee you Bo Levi Mitchell is standing in the back of his head. I've been at the top of the mountain. This guy is at the top of the mountain right now. I want to make sure that I knock him down a couple of notches and I get back up there. So this is going to be a battle between those two guys. And neither one of these teams want to step too far away from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because they're undefeated right now. Calgary loses game and you're three games behind the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
it's going to be tough to make up that ground this last half, last half of the season. Oh, it's a great point about Bo. I mean, I don't think for a second that he's not listening to all this hype before the game and all the hype about the other quarterback and wants to go in and um, raise his level of play uh, where we have seen at times this season. It just hasn't been as consistent on the defensive side, though. You know, this was already going to be a real tough test for Calgary. And now losing Trey Roberson in the secondary yep. uh, against that BC receiving core with Rourke playing the way he is. I mean, that could be uh, you know very impactful on a Friday night. Oh, without a doubt. You're talking about one of the best defensive backs in the league. He was making a big impact and that all defense we're struggling with him, you know, giving up almost 280 point, 280 yards a game before this last game. And now he's out. How do you replace him going against one of the, the best young quarterbacks and the most impactful maybe offense in the league right now? So they're going to have to get creative. Uh, and more important than that, Bo is going to have to score some points. This is going to be a shootout if these Calgary Stampeders want to have an opportunity to win. We know BC can score points. Uh, so Bo is going to have to step up and have one of the better games uh, of this year if you want to have, have, have an opportunity to win against these BC Lions. Milt, we won't bother uh, spending much time on the JV division of the East, but uh, I will ask you, I will ask you about I'm gonna that. Have, I'm going I'm to use that one on air. I'll give Please you credit, do. I'm going to use that one. Please do. Um, Saskatchewan and Edmonton, what do we know about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? I mean, what do you make of that team coming off the bye into this game? And on the Elk side of things, are they any better now halfway into the season than they were when they looked uh, embarrassing, frankly, at the beginning of the year? You know what? With, with Saskatchewan, it's, it's, it's a lot going on. Of course, they're putting a lot of blame on their quarterback, uh, not being mobile. You know, that's part of his game. Uh, they're putting, you know, talking about that offensive line. But whatever it is, these are the players that are lined up out there, and they need to get it together. Uh, this game – People say, well, this game against Edmonton. This game against Edmonton is maybe their biggest game because five of the next six games are either against Winnipeg or the BC Lions. So that could be – that's possible five losses right there. So they need to get it together. I know a lot of people in Saskatchewan are talking about, well, we'll just cross over and get to the Grey Cup through the East. It's never happened before. If they're counting on that, they have another thing coming. So they, try, they need to try to get it together right now. As far as Edmonton – I mean, their team changes weekly. Chris Jones, we know how intelligent of a head coach he is, a GM. He's shown that in the past. And what he's doing right now, I don't know if that's going to work. And I know he has a bigger plan in store. I know he's looking more towards next year and a year after that. But what he's doing right now, I'm surprised they have two victories. But uh, if they go out and win against Saskatchewan this, past, this next week, I wouldn't even be surprised because we know what Chris Jones is made of. And we don't know what these Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to do week in and week out. So both of those teams are, are, are oh, they're unpredictable every single week. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this game. Now, uh, Milt Stiegel, of course, you're going to be uh, heading back north of the border to uh, be on the panel all week for the CFL coverage on TSN. But you're back at home right now. I just got to quickly ask, I know so many people remember you and your wonderful family. How's uh, soccer dad life doing? How are Chase and Colin doing? And uh, what's going on with uh, Team Stiegel back in Georgia? Yeah, we're we're 100% soccer parents, but it, it, it's a good thing. Uh, Chase, my oldest, uh, I know some remember him in Winnipeg. He's going into his senior year now. Wow. Uh, he's getting re he's getting recruited for soccer. Uh, my youngest, Colin, who was born in Winnipeg my last year, he's going into the eighth grade, and his his life revolves around soccer too. So everything is going good for us. Uh, as I just alluded to, my parents, my wife and I were both 100% soccer parents, and we love it more than anything. 
yes, it takes up a lot of our time, but it also allows us to spend a lot of time with our kids. So everything is great. Uh, I enjoy traveling back and forth, of course, doing the CFL thing. But when I come home, it's all about the kids and soccer. So everything is going great. Well, I'll tell you what, CFL fans from coast to coast, but especially here in Winnipeg, appreciate the time we get to spend with you and the gang every week on the tube. We'll look forward to it kicking off on Thursday for the Bombers and Alouettes. And uh, Milt, all the best to you and the fam. Thanks for doing this. And we'll look forward to catching up a little later on. Hopefully still talking about an undefeated football team right here in the peg. Well, maybe I'll come see you. I'll be in Winnipeg uh, next week. I'm doing the health science sciences center thing. So Hopefully when I get in town next week, they will be 10 and 0 and we'll have something else to talk about. Milt, thanks so much for doing this, my friend. Uh, have a great weekend and uh, enjoyed your uh, visit as always. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Thanks. Great stuff with Milt. And as uh, Milt mentioned, he's going to be in town next week um, helping support the, uh, I believe it's the HSC Millionaire Lottery. So uh, maybe we'll see if we can uh, grab Milt in talking about a 10-0 team when he's uh, here in the peg next week. Big thanks to Milt, and uh, we'll all look forward to him joining the rest of the panel on TSN this weekend, beginning Thursday night as the Bombers return home to take on the Montreal Alouettes. And by the way, join us tomorrow on the program. Stanley Bryant will be on the show, and we'll also have a pair of tickets to give away to a lucky Winnipeg Sports Talk listener. So, if you're looking to win tickets to the Bombers, tomorrow's show, make sure to join us live on the YouTube channel. Hey, a big thanks to our friends at Culligan Water, celebrating over 65 years in business as of the locally owned water experts in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. I've got everything you need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Give them a call at 694-5180. You can visit them in person at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. Our friends at Royal Sports are ready for the upcoming fall. Of course, hockey season just around the corner. And um, if you've got a hockey player in the family or you were getting ready for the season, one stop at Royal Sports is uh, all you need. Uh, millions of dollars in hockey inventory, sticks, skates, goalie equipment. They've got it all. And they've got the hockey experts, players working there to help make sure you get the exact and best option for the hockey player in your family. But there's so much more than hockey, soccer, softball, baseball, the best selection of licensed merchandise around, a great bike selection, and, of course, disc golf, tennis, and more. Pop by Royal Sports. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. They're at 750 Pemina Highway. Or follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops. Lots of new stock coming in daily. And, of course, they're looking ahead to another big tent sale coming up after the Labor Day weekend. Um, our friends at Not Auto Corp uh, will be ready for the game on Thursday. Of course, Trevor and the gang at Not Big supporters of the Bombers. Big supporters of all things Winnipeg, to be honest. And the spot to head to if you're thinking about getting into a new whip. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGillivray and check out all the incredible vehicles on the lot. Or if there's a particular car you've always dreamed of getting, let them know the Knot experts, uh, experts will get it here to Winnipeg at the best possible price and get you in it ASAP. Not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery. You can check them out online at not.ca. And hey, a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. 
I mentioned this yesterday on the program, but if you missed it, save the date, September 1st. We are going to be doing our first ever sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug. I'll be hosting it, putting together a great great option of questions from a local uh, level, Jets, Bombers, and of course, questions from around the sports world. So hope you'll join us. We'll give you details on uh, maybe calling to reserve a table for you and your crew, uh, but make a note. September 1st, Little Brown Jug, William Avenue. And of course, uh, try 1919 or grab a summer variety pack right now. All the great summer beers available, both at Little Brown Jug, online at littlebrownjug.ca, or at your favorite local beer store. All right, Mike McIntyre's back from his travels on the weekend. We've got lots to get to with Mike. Let's welcome him in now from the Winnipeg Free Press on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Mike, how was the Twin Cities? Oh, it was great. Uh, Free Jays games. Uh, we we got rained out one of our rounds of golf. We were supposed to play two. We only got one in, but it was a beautiful round. And uh, yeah, I got to see. We were there Thursday when the Jays kind of wiped the Twins uh, out of Target Field, uh, and then we were there Friday, Saturday when the Jays lost. So that wasn't the the outcome maybe we would have wanted. And then we were heading back on Sunday. Listen to the game in the car when they, of course, won in. Fairly controversial fashion. Oh, I'll say. <laughs> Rocco Baldelli's still pissed off right now. You can still, you could probably see the steam coming out of his ears from Winnipeg. Yeah, that was a weird one where he, like, he was, he was absolutely teeing off on the umpires. Talk about shooting the messenger, Huss. They were just relaying what New York was telling them on the disputed call. Um, you know, I'm not sure why he was so upset. He should have picked up a phone, I guess, and called MLB head office in New York. But yeah, lots of, uh, my goodness, were there ever a lot of Manitobans uh, down there, uh, like thousands of Manitobans. And uh, it was, uh, the, the, it seemed like the Blue Jays were the home team, that's for sure. Beautiful park, of course, Target Field. Um, even got to see uh, a bit of a country music concert breakout after the game Thursday. I, I was not familiar with the musical stylings of Cole Swindell. But the guy can sing. He's uh, he, he. I'm not really a country music fan, but a lot of folks there were, and uh, kind of a neat thing to have a a country music concert piggyback uh, at the end of a baseball game. I don't think he actually took the stage till after eleven o'clock, and he played till like twelve thirty or twelve forty five in the morning on a Thursday night. So yeah, it was a it was a great trip. Uh, good memories with. Uh, with my son and my dad and my brother. Um, and now here we are back at home. Nice little boys trip. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, you certainly were uh, not the only Manitobans. I mean, how many people did you see that you just knew there? I mean, uh, from the looks of it on the tube, um, it seemed like half of Manitoba. Uh, and I'm sure there was a lot of people from Northern Ontario and Saskatchewan coming over. Um, but that series is always a big deal. In the last couple of years, it had been very early. It had been like in May if I'm the Twins, I'm begging the Major League Baseball schedule maker to have that series every year on a nice four-day span, including a weekend in July or August. Yeah, I mean, the the, the game on uh, on Thursday was sold out, and I, a big part of that, I suspect, was also the concert, but that was their biggest crowd. That was their first sellout of the year. And then the crowds Friday, Saturday, Sunday were around 30,000 which I'm told were among the biggest crowds they've had all year. And certainly that was by far the biggest series they've had in terms of overall attendance. 
I mean, they drew about uh, 130,000 for the four gamer. So you're right, Huss. Uh, a big part of that. I mean, I, I saw tons of Rough Riders jerseys. Talk to some folks. But there's always Rough Riders. You could be at Wimbledon, the Aussie Open, and there it will at least be one guy wearing a Rough Rider jersey. Uh, that is just a law. That's not a take. That is a fact. So Saturday night's game, um, the four of us found ourselves, we were actually sitting beside Jason Bell, my colleague at the Free Press, and and his buddy who was down there. Uh, and we were in a sea of green. We were in the unofficial Rough Rider section somehow <laughs> along the uh, along the first baseline. So that that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I saw I mean I saw a ton of people I knew, probably like upwards of fifty. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good time for sure. And uh, let's hope I think the MLB schedule for next year comes out any day now. And I'll be very curious to see, as you said, when that Jays series is, because uh, it would behoove them, as you as you note, to have it, you know, strategically and at a time when you can maximize how many people would come down for it. Great ballpark. Hey, just before we finish off this part of the conversation, get on to Jets and Bomber stuff. What did you eat at the ballpark? Did you try the pork chop on a stick? One of my favorites, the go-tos out in the left field at all Twins games, uh, anything catch your eye from a food perspective at the game? Well, what caught my eye was the number of of things they serve in helmets. Uh, that's like they're they don't use they don't use plates. They like to serve their food in in baseball helmets. So my son uh, indulged in the nachos in a helmet, uh, and I don't know how many people I saw who did the same hus. And then like later in the game. They're wearing their they're wearing their plate basically <laughs> on their head. I mean, like I'm looking at some of these people looking for the nacho cheese dripping down the nape of their neck. Um, I hope they at least tried to wash it out in the bathroom before they put it on their head. Although, judging by the sobriety of some of the fans <laughs> at the game, I don't imagine cleaning out their nacho plate was high on the priority list. So. I suspect a lot of people went home that night and were like, why do I have cheese in my hair? Why do I have, why, why do I have pork in my hair and salsa? Uh, so yeah, that, that was, uh, but I, I didn't try the pork chop on a stick though. However, I, I tried to keep it as healthy as possible. You know me. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, by the way, for you gold eyes fans and the gold eyes are back this weekend, new to the ballpark this year. The beer bat at Craft Beer Corner, and on the other side, the nachos in a helmet. Highly recommended. If you're getting out to the ballpark this week to see the fish, you can try it just like in the big leagues. All right, Mike. Uh, Mason Appleton gets a three-year deal. He's coming on the program tomorrow. We'll look forward to talking with him. Been a very eventful few weeks, getting married, yeah. getting his new uh, deal. What did you think of the contract? The fact that it was a three-year deal as opposed to maybe a shorter term? And... um you know, where does he fit in going into next season right now, looking at this depth chart um, before any additional moves or changes may or may not happen? Well, I, so first of all, I was I was a little surprised that it was three years. I mean, I would have thought two would probably be more, more where they come in. And I even thought a one-year deal was possible. I mean, if you're Mason Appleton and maybe you you look at what the Jets have done or maybe what they haven't done, this summer and you think you know what there's a chance maybe for me to carve out a bigger role maybe I could 
sneak into that top six at times. Maybe I could get some power play time. I mean, the, the depth chart has taken a bit of a hit. Obviously, you know, Paul Stasny has not been re-signed. Guys like Evgeny Svechnikov were let go. So if you're Mason Appleton, I, I'm a little surprised that he went for the three years because he might see the opportunity to, to post some numbers this year um, or the potential to do that anyways. That being said, um, you know, it's a nice number, I think, for him, you know, over two mil a year on the AAV. And that's about right for probably where he's going to fit in the lineup. I mean, I think right now, Haas, if you look at the depth chart, Mason Appleton is probably where he finished last season on the third line with Adam Lowry. And we're not sure who else might be on that line. Um, but that's that's pretty good value for the Jets, for what you would pay a traditional third-line player, bottom six guy. I mean, I personally think, Huss, if the Jets are to maybe take some of the steps that they'd want, ideally, a guy like Mason Appleton, maybe he's pushed down to the fourth line. I just don't think they have the depth right now. And one of the things Mason Appleton does that very few Jets players do is shoot from the right side. Like, they do not have a lot of right-handed shots. And in that sense, you know, they're maybe paying them a few hundred thousand dollars just for that skill alone, because there is a shortage of right shots uh, in the forward group. So, I mean, if you're the Jets, you get a piece locked up. Is he a core piece? No. Is he a nice complimentary piece? Yeah. And he is a guy that you've drafted and developed that they obviously lost to Seattle and then got back. And I know the Jets have always thought very highly of Mason Appleton. And, you know, they, to them, they see this as a return on the investment. So I'm not totally surprised that they committed to three years on a Mason Appleton mm. just because they know the guy. They've known him since the day they drafted him. And so there's a comfort and a familiarity. But I think the Jets, if they're going to take mm. some big steps, mm. you want to you want guys pushing each other for work. And ideally, you'd have a guy like Mason Appleton both challenging for maybe a greater role, but also being challenged for his current role, which is as a third liner. Well, you know, and speaking of challenging the lineup, I mean, again, this might be a, a moot point to make have this discussion right now, considering what could and, you know, certainly what many people expect to happen before the season, and that be some sort of a shakeup, certainly another body or two. But when you look at the right side of the depth chart right now, I mean, it is... It is pretty bleak. I mean, it's let's say you've got Ehlers playing on the right side. You've got Blake Wheeler on the right side. Mason Appleton, Christian Reichel right now is next up on the depth chart. I mean, with all due respect to Reichel, I mean, he was sort of a moose guy that got called up, was injured, you know, did fine and very limited playing time. But, I mean, I'm not sure that he projects to be a top 12 player right away. But it was brought up yesterday in chat. Um, you know, with Wheeler's situation... And I've always thought that if you're a good enough team, Blake Wheeler, as he gets at this tail end of the conversation, uh, or of, the, of his contract, I should say, you know, might be a player that plays a little bit down in the lineup. And I've always thought there could be a great connection with Blake Wheeler and Adam Lowry if it ever came right. to that. Does Mason Appleton have the the tools, you think, to challenge for a spot up front? I, certainly last year we didn't see it. At times before, the one thing that intrigues me about Appleton, Mike, if you dig into some of the underlying numbers, the one thing that he's particularly good at is the forecheck. 
is getting in on the puck and getting pucks. And, you know, might he be somewhat of a puck retriever or would that be an option, you know, to play with a couple players that certainly would be more offensively talented with the goal of having Appleton be the guy that gets that puck, gets possession and gets it to teammates that might have a better, uh, better chance of lighting the lamp. Well, I think for sure the Winnipeg Jets believe that Mason Appleton is capable of perhaps pushing for work, even in the top six and a greater role. And I think, you know, for evidence of that, Huss, you just look back to that season in the bubble. We got Piper here, by the way. She's just going to make her token appearance. Hey, Piper. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's been laying on my lap here as we chat. So Mason Appleton in that bubble season, uh, and yes, that was a strange year, of course, uh, terms of the variety of competition the Jets only played you know six other teams all year but Mason Appleton put up some pretty nice numbers he had 12 goals in 56 games if you you know prorate that to a full season like he he was knocking on the door of 20 20 goals uh and he had another 13 assists 25 points so this was a guy that was looking at a a 20 goal 20 assist over a full 82 game season and you know, that's pretty good. That would be really good production for a third liner. And that's a guy that, could, you know, perhaps patch in sometimes uh, up the lineup. Of course, that led to Seattle selecting him in the expansion draft. I think last year, Mason Appleton would admit was a step back. He only had eight goals total in, uh, in, in sorry, 68 games uh, and only, only two in 19 games with the Jets. So, you know, he didn't produce the way I think he and a lot of other people thought. Um, so I guess the question is, where is the real Mason Appleton? Is it the guy that was on pace for 20 goals uh, a couple seasons ago? Or is it the guy who had eight in almost a full season last year? And maybe the real Mason Appleton is somewhere in between those two goalposts, which would make you say, OK, two million or two point one million. That's probably about right. Um, but I would agree with you. I mean, Blake Wheeler as a third liner, I think, you know, but and a guy who still gets some power play time, uh, that's probably an effective way of using Blake Wheeler. The, the problem is, if you're the Jets today, what do you have to supplant Blake Wheeler in your top six? And I think right now the answer is not a whole lot. Yeah, uh, so, I, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, the... yeah, an ad or a trade or internally, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know a lot of people have that thought and it's been talked about for a while that Wheeler take maybe a more secondary role than being the guy that he's been for so long. But that's easier said than done if you don't have players better than that guy to take right. their spot in the lineup. And as of now, right now, you know, speaking of Wheeler, um, I mean, we haven't heard a lot on uh, the, the trade front. I mean, everything has been quite quiet, which often happens in and around this time. Although I will say this, I think this is a very different year because of how many teams still need to make moves based on the fact that they're already over the cap right now. Right. And I think Sheveldayoff might be sort of holding his cards, knowing that there will be a level of desperation by some of these teams. And maybe that puts them in the best chance to, you know, get the best of a deal a little later on. But as far as Blake Wheeler goes, Mike, I mean, we were just talking about Jacob Truba being named the captain of the New York Rangers. Um, it's hard to ignore the fact that Blake Wheeler's been on the market. Both team and player seem to be keen on potentially moving on. And to me, that is not a hockey trade at all. I mean, we know that with this contract, I mean, what right. comes back is not going to be 
Um, you know, it's not going to make the team better on the ice, frankly. This is more about culture, leadership, allowing other players to maybe move into that role that's been taken by Blake for a long time. So I guess my question is, if they don't make this uh, this deal happen, which I think is probably getting more unlikely as we get closer to the season, how do things look under Rick Bonus? Is it a clean sheet for everyone, a clean slate? Does Blake Wheeler come back with you know, another sit-down legendary leader interview like a couple of years ago? Or do they just basically act as if this summer and last year didn't happen, Rick Bonus is the new head coach, and go at it from there? I mean, to me, that's the most fascinating thing about this season. If they do bring it back pretty much intact as to Blake Wheeler's role, is he the captain? And, you know, how that goes over with everybody else on the team because there was a reason why they were trying to move this player. And right. to me, it's not really anything to do with goals and assists on the ice. No, and I'm, a big part of it, of course, is salary and the fact that he's not an eight-plus million-dollar player right now. And that's a big part of why there wouldn't be a, a major return. You look at what uh, what Columbus got back for a guy like Bjorkstrand, and that was purely a salary dump. I mean, uh, and and... At 5.4 a year, I mean, which, right. you know, you can make an argument is pretty good value considering what he's produced. For sure. I mean, you would take Bjorkstrand over Blake Wheeler in a heartbeat, especially at that at those numbers. Um, you know, I think there is going to be an element of a clean sheet and a fresh start, but I, I, I think it would be dangerous to ignore how last season played out and just pretend it did it doesn't exist because it does. It did. It did happen. It does exist. And, you know, if if the only changes are the voice behind the bench and nothing else really changed from the roster, I mean, other than you flipped a few months on the calendar and your record is now zero and zero, I'd still be worried about what's going to happen, you know, at the first sign of adversity that hits this team. Um you know, are our our people's noses getting out of joint? Are feelings going to get hurt? Are feathers being ruffled again? Like, like it seems like <laughs> they were. So, um, I, I I think it would be dangerous to just pretend that didn't happen, ignore it, and and so I'm fascinated. You know, if Blake Wheeler is in fact still a Winnipeg Jet when training camp rolls around, to just hear what he says, and maybe more importantly, how he says what he says. We're going to get a bit of a sneak peek us next week, not into Blake Wheeler's mindset, but another player that was clearly disgruntled and unhappy, and that's Mark Shifley. He'll be back in Winnipeg next week. He's teeing it up in the Manitoba Open under a sponsor's exemption. Uh, and I suspect uh, probably next Wednesday, if not Thursday, we'll, we'll hear from Mark, you know, before he plays his first round at Southwood. And uh, I suspect that, you know, there'll be some golf questions clearly, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hockey questions uh, about, you know, his mindset and and what happened in the last few months. Like my understanding is there's been a number of chats, obviously between Rick Bonus and Mark Shifley, but I believe Kevin Sheveldayoff has had some sit downs with Mark Shifley as well. Um, you know, trying to make sure everybody's on the same page and, and so I think the talk of trading Mark Shifley, which was pretty loud back in the spring, clearly that's died down. Mark Shifley, it would appear, is is here for at least one more season, and they'll maybe cross that bridge when they have to get there. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you yeah. think that that trade talk has died down because things are smoothed over and they've gotten over the problems that they had last year? Or is it simply because Pierre-Luc Dubois is not signing a long-term deal and um, 
you know, I mean, you can't yeah. lose both of your top two centers. Well, sure, but the fact is you might lose both your top two centers because Mark Scheifele has the exact same rights that Pierre-Luc Dubois has in two summers from now. Well, I'm talking about right now, like right, this right off now, season. For sure. But, I mean, that's you can't kick that too far down the road either. And so we talk about maybe the best time to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois is at the trade deadline. Well, will that also be the best time to trade Mark Scheifele? I mean, if Mark Scheifele's not re-signing here, and I don't know if if he is or isn't, I don't know where Mark Scheifele's mind is, but if you're Mark Scheifele and you haven't really won anything in Winnipeg save for that one run to the Western Conference Final, and you're now 31 years old when your contract expires, and you're thinking, maybe I only got a few years left, this is my last deal. I mean, if he's not going to sign long-term in Winnipeg, the Jets, just like with Pierre-Luc Dubois and potentially Connor Hellebuck, they're going to have to try and move these guys for assets. So, you know, one of the questions, I guess, for Mark Scheifele will be, do you envision your long-term future here in Winnipeg? Or, you know, when your contract's up in 2024, like, are you looking elsewhere? And that's a question the Jets will they want an answer to that sooner than later for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for Mark Shifley, like, and Blake Wheeler, um, if they're both here in camp, I mean, I think it's almost how they say what they say, as opposed to what they say, that's going to be most interesting. And, and more than that, Haas, the old actions speak louder than words. It's, it's how they start the season on the ice, right? Like if, if the first few games, if we're like, oh my God, here we go again, um, then then there's a big problem, right? But who knows? Maybe these guys, maybe Brick Bonus is the breath of fresh air that they needed, and and enough to kind of to, to 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 calm things down where they're going to come to camp with you know a brand new attitude. We'll see. Well, and the funny thing is about you know hearing from Shife next week is that, um, listen, I'm sure that his agents, I'm sure the PR team at the Winnipeg Jets will have, you know, this clearly mapped out beforehand. And I mean, I fully expect him to come out and speak like he's got a positive attitude and that whatever was the issue last year is behind him. Although I can't help but remember the last time we heard him talk was uh, he wanted to see the direction of what's happening with the team going forward what's changed since Mark Shifley spoke at the end of the season to right now, right. other than losing Paul Stassi and Eric Comrie? Um, not a lot. So I, I do wonder how much this was, that was just real frustration with the way things went at the end of the season and a personally disappointing season. And the fact that for the first time in a long time, he sort of went from being the golden boy right. of the team to someone that was taking some legitimate criticism. Um, how different is that situation right now other than, you know, a guy like Rick Bonus? But Rick Bonus can change, I think, an atmosphere quite a bit. But you're exactly right. All the nice things can be said through training camp and things can go well. If you start 0-5 uh, or the team's struggling or we see some of the things that really, I think, irked fans and probably management last year in Shifley's right. game, you do wonder where they're sitting at once the season gets going. For sure. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we're getting closer here by by the day and by the week to starting to get those answers. I mean, training camp is uh, <clears throat> is about five weeks away. And this should, you know, for a number of reasons, be a real interesting one. Maybe not the, the same optimism that was 
around the team a year ago when when we were talking about you know the start of camp and all the excitement that was in the air but there's certainly an a, a, a large degree of interest i think around uh what this team is going to look like and i just personally think Huss, there's still another shoe or two to drop here because i just frankly would be stunned if the roster that we're seeing today is the one they come to camp with, I, I just, I think for a number of reasons, there's still some other things um, that they are trying to do and that may happen. I mean, and I think one of the things we've talked about extensively is the blue line and what they're going to do. And so, you know, guys like Johnny Kovacevic, Leon Gavonki, those guys aren't waiver exempt anymore. Are they really going to risk losing a Johnny Kovacevic, um, a drafted and developed? you know, promising young blue line. Are they willing to risk losing that guy because of a cluster on defense, a cluster that wasn't good enough to get the job done last year that they will have made zero changes to? Um, you know, I, I don't know what Kevin Shoveldoff is thinking. We know he's tried some things. And going back to, you know, how we started this chat today about talking about Mason Appleton and his role, you know, it is interesting that we know the Jets were in on a guy like Callie Yarncroft and they didn't get him. He's a right shot. You know, he's a guy who might have pushed Mason Appleton down a line, right? If the Jets sign Yarncroft, maybe he's on the third line and Appleton's on the fourth. Uh, Danton Heinen was another guy they took a run at. He's a left shot on like Yarncroft. But again, we know the Jets have tried to do some things and they, they haven't succeeded. Um, but there are still some names, some players out there and I suspect, uh, as I said, that that there are still some moves that we may see happen here, especially as teams um, who are maybe in cap purgatory look to a team like Winnipeg that has some cap room as they stand today. That's without making a Blake Wheeler move or a Brandon Dillon move. They have cap space, mm-hmm. and the Jets could perhaps weaponize that cap space uh, to add a player that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise thought that they could get. Oh, you know what, I, I Mike, I think you uh, you nailed it. I mean, I've been kind of thinking and talking about this for the last couple of days with where things are right now. I mean, I think this in some ways is a little bit of a staring match between sure. general managers like Kevin Sheveldayoff and one of the uh, dozen-odd teams that are over the cap right now. And, I mean, to me, I think the best-case scenario for Winnipeg um, outside of a, of, of a real earth-shaking move of a top player that, you know, significantly changes that core, that top six, would be to move one of the blue liners. Um, and, you know, whether they're talking about a Nate Schmidt or a Brendan Dillon, I mean, there's all sorts of guys to do it. Move them out, bringing back a forward that potentially could be making one or $2 million more right. that gives a team a little bit of cap relief. But more importantly, from a Winnipeg standpoint you know, moves some of the cap distribution from the blue line to the forward group. I mean, Stonewall Dave said, I'm not 100% sure you can say that Wheeler moving on isn't a hockey trade. He's blocking uh, younger players, perhaps better players' opportunity. Well, listen, if we were talking about the defense with guys like Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg, I've got right. a lot of time for that argument. Right now, there just aren't those players that are better than Blake Wheeler that should be playing ahead of him right now. And... You know, as I said, I mean, I probably feel differently about that trade if, you know, it was a situation like they had on the blue line right now with right. obvious guys that deserve to be playing more than aren't there. Um, you know, with the lack of ads up front right now, Mike, and the loss of Paul Stastny, um, this is as 
a week of forward group from 1 to 12, I think, that we've seen in a long time. And it's quite clear that there absolutely needs to be another body or two coming in to compete for jobs, if not a more established NHL player coming in to take a spot, potentially even in the top six or at least the top nine. Right. I mean, like the question is, who is who is Blake Wheeler blocking? Is he blocking Christian Reichel? Is he blocking Mikey Essamont or Jeff Malott or Alex Limoges or Kevin Stenland or Saku Manalainen? I mean, I think the answer to those questions is probably no. Um, I don't think you're, you're right. It's a different story on the blue line. And that's why, to me, this was a Jets team, Huss. You know, they for all of the talk about the blue line last year, they lost a lot of games where if they had gotten another goal and maybe a little more scoring from the bottom six, might have been a different story. And we know Rick Bonus and how he likely is going to coach this team. If he can get this team to do what, you know, he got the Dallas Stars to do, we could be in for a lot of 3-2 kind of games, right? And so if you're the Jets and you didn't get the, the, the scoring, the production from your bottom six that you would like last year, and you've made no additions at this point to it, other than hoping, you know, Cole Perfetti will come in and play a full season, but he's going to be in your top six, presumably. Um, but you're right. You didn't replace Stasny. You've lost Svechnikov and you've signed a bunch of depth guys. I mean, do you really have enough to kind of go to battle with? And, and I think that's an area the Jets really ought to be focusing on here is finding a player or two. And again, judging by some of the names they've been in on, I think that has been something they've tried to do this summer. They just have had no success so far, uh, but there are still a few names out there. I mean, a guy like Sonny Milano is a real interesting one to me. Uh, um, he's not a guy that's probably going on the fourth line, but Sonny Milano is a guy that, you know, he was playing in Anaheim as an offensive playmaker, as a creator. And he hasn't signed with anybody. Um, you know, could the Jets be a fit for him and vice versa? I don't see why not. Um, and the Jets have some real skilled players that you'd think a guy like Milano might be able to mesh with. So I, I suspect at this point, the reason he hasn't signed is uh, what he's asking and maybe what teams are offering aren't on par with, with, with each other. And so maybe he has to, as we get closer to camp, lower his asking price and, Kind of like that game of chicken that you talked about, that, you know, that staring match that's going on. Eventually, something has to give when it comes to some of these players and some of these other GMs that have to create cap space. Hey, well, speaking of free agents, uh, and I don't think the Jets are at all in this mix, but um, what what do you think the Kadri deal ends up looking like? Um, is he going to get his term and money? Um, I have to laugh. I mean, there's been all these rumors that he's, uh, you know, in with the New York Islanders and is going to go right. to be the island, which would be ultimate Lou Lamorello to have this deal done, make him promise that he won't tell anyone and literally just have Kadri show up to camp. Oh, yeah. yeah by the way, we signed him a month ago. I mean, right. only Lou Lamorello does. But I mean, this is the most interesting one because, I mean, John Klingberg signing a one year deal to essentially go through this again and Anaheim, to their credit. You know, picks up a player that can help them for a part of the season and then be a pretty significant trade chip yeah. at the trade deadline. Remus sort of described it as almost like buying a first-round pick, right. um, which is probably the way it ends up. But, I mean, uh, how do you see Kadri ending up this year? Is he going to be in a Klingberg-like situation being going through this again next season, hopefully with a better result? 
Well, I think the term and the number that Kadri and his, his crew had in mind clearly has not been there at this point. And maybe it's there from a team that he has no interest in signing with. Like there may be teams willing to pay him what he's asking and, and give him the years. But uh, if they're not poised to, you know, be, be a contender anytime soon, that's probably not something he's looking at. Um, you know, the Islanders are interesting and there's a team that, um, would have to clear some cap space to bring a guy like Kadri on board. And so while I don't think the Jets are likely in on, on Kadri, although their name was linked to them, I think by some reports earlier on in free agency, um, could they be in on, on a guy that the Islanders have to move out to make room? Anthony Beauvillier is a name that, you know, has been talked about as a potential trade ship. Um, you know, I don't know, but that there's an example. We know that there's probably still some deals like that, like the Bjorkstrand deal. They had to trade him so they could fit Patrick Laine's contract. You know, they're, they're, Bjorkstrand's a great player that Seattle picked up basically for, for nothing. You know, a couple draft picks and other than paying his salary. Uh, so I'm sure the Jets would love to find a, a similar type of situation where a team has to move a good player out, not because they don't like the player, but because they have something else that they're trying to do. Uh, and, and the Jets would be there, you know, waiting with open arms. It's just, uh, you know, the Jets, they don't have a ton of cap space, but they do have some. And the idea of kind of weaponizing it is, is an intriguing one. Uh, so for all the talk of what the Jets haven't done so far this offseason, they do have that in their back pocket. And I think it would be a tough sell, though, Huss, to this fan base if if they bring the group to camp and they've got a ton of cap space that they didn't do anything with, that they just decided to mainly run it back and not spend a bunch of money after what they've done the last few years. I don't know how they would be able to really pitch that to the fan base. Um, and, you know, I'd be a little surprised if that ends up being the play here. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned that because, I mean, the one key loss right now, certainly up front, has been Paul Stastny. Paul Stastny still doesn't have a contract. Right. Uh, or hasn't signed one yet, and I'm sure is mulling over what options he has right now and has said that he wants to go to a contender, of which the Jets are probably not in that category right now, I think it's safe to say. And for all the talk that we've been said about looking for change and getting new players in here, I still think the loss of Paul Stastny is going to be significant if they don't yeah. have anyone filling that out. Do you think that ship has sailed or might with waiting and seeing the way this market is playing out, might there be an option to revisit Paul Stastny or do you think that uh, if jet fans are holding out hope that maybe something can be salvaged, um, they should move on. Funny. You asked me that Huss, just as we were uh, starting our conversation here, I, I get a number of these emails. I'm sure you do as well from various, uh, Odds makers out there, uh, you know, different scenarios in, a, in all kinds of different sports. But anyways, I just got one here a few minutes ago uh, that looked at the the available free agents still. Uh, Nazem Kadri, P.K. Subban is another one they threw out. And, uh, and Paul Stasi is another. Phil Kessel, too. Interesting to see uh, where will Paul Stasi play game one of the 2022-23 NHL season. The Avalanche are the uh, the runaway favorites. They're minus 150. The Flames are next at plus 300. And then there's the Jets at plus 325. Anaheim at plus 450. And Vegas at plus 650 are the other options. But so the odds makers still think the Jets have a chance. 
By the way, the same odds makers have the Jets as the sixth favorite behind Edmonton, Minnesota, Calgary, Arizona, and Chicago to land Bill Kessel. Uh, I wouldn't hold hey. my breath on that happening, but uh, interesting that the Jets are a team uh, that are that are listed there on the odds. So um, I, I don't think the ship has completely sailed, but I do think Colorado makes a lot of sense, you know, for Stasny, especially uh, if Kadri isn't brought back to the Avalanche. And uh, I'm guessing that at this point, that ship has probably sailed in Colorado, short of them making a move to really clear some significant cap space. They just wouldn't be able to fit Kadri in, even if he was willing to maybe take a bit of a, a discount to go back to the Avalanche. I doubt they can make the numbers work. Uh, but Paul Stasny is a guy where, you know, he would probably take less money at this stage of his career to go to somewhere like Colorado um, if it meant having a legitimate shot at, at winning a Stanley Cup next year. So, you know, I'm sure the Jets would be willing to pay Paul Stasny what they feel he's worth. And I, I don't think the Jets are going to get outbid for Paul Stasny is, is, I guess, the best way to put it. But I think they'd be in tough to maybe match what some what a team like Colorado could offer in terms of a winning environment. Um, and, and that's where they ultimately may fall short. But you know what? If the Jets were to circle back and bring Paul Stasny back, um, that would be, I think, a real shot in the arm for this organization because they could then say, Paul Stasny said he wants to go to a winner. Clearly, he thinks Winnipeg can be a winner. Uh, if he doesn't come here, though, you can kind of say the opposite is true, right? <laughs> no doubt about it. Mike McIntyre's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, Mike, hang tight. I just got to quickly thank our friends over at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Bomber game Thursday night. You know where the place to be is before the game. The Princess Auto tailgate zone opening a couple hours outside of the stadium before kickoff. $5 beers, $3.50 popping hot dogs, DJ finesse spinning, great prizes from the Princess Auto team. If you're going to the game, and you should be, get there early and take in the fun at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. And, of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Great day for a visit to uh, Nick and Nikki out at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Serve it up some incredible new Blizzard flavors this summer. A great lineup of stack burgers that are phenomenal. And, of course, the all the ice cream novelties and treats, cones you can get. And, hey, if you've got a party coming up, it's always better with a DQ cake. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get a custom-made quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And, of course, Blue Jays back in action tonight. Bombers coming up on Thursday and a full slate of CFL games on the weekend. No better place to gather with the gang to watch the game in your local Boston Pizza Lounge. Check out the great summer menu featuring the carnitas, pizzas, tacos, and pizza flights are back. Great summer drinks as well. And heck, if you are staying home, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Mike, um, you know, we've been talking a lot of Jets right now. It still is 
bizarre to me that the World Junior Hockey Championships are dropping the puck right now in Edmonton. I'm just looking at TSN right now. It's a 2-2 game between Czechia and Slovakia. Um, I was expecting this to be a weird tournament really since the day they decided to try to salvage what they could out of the event and get the money of it being in Canada even in August. But it's taken on a whole nother level with what's happened and the revelations regarding Hockey Canada's handling of some pretty serious incidents over the past 20 years. And I don't know about you, but looking at what looks like almost an empty rink with no rink board advertising, um, you wonder at what point if the IIHF and Hockey Canada knew the way this event was going to go off, if they really would have gone through with it in the first place. Is that a picture from the 2022 hub from the bubble? <laughs> Kind of looks I, like it. I was talking to Tom Gazzola today off air. He said, I'll tell you, this has a real bubble feel to it. Um, yeah. And that's not a good thing when you're open for business and expecting fans to fill the building. I mean, I think there's a couple things going on here. Probably selling tickets at premium prices, which they're doing, by the way, for games not involving Canada. Just asinine. Like, who's paying... 50, 60 bucks a ticket to go on a beautiful August afternoon to go watch, you know, Czechia and Slovakia play like a preliminary round. The game. answer to that is very few. But, right. I think we have our answer. You're right. You're, you're looking at, at who's willing to pay that. Um, and then, so in terms of just selling to kind of the mass public for games not involving Canada, that was going to be tough to begin with. But of course, the fact that, of Hockey Canada's complete mishandling of, you know, various sexual abuse cases, um, you know, the, the what's been revealed uh, before the parliamentary committee in Ottawa about the way they've not only mishandled, but then, then responded to some of the criticism, um, you know, and, and advertisers pulling out major sponsors. Like there's a toxicity surrounding Hockey Canada that I think even to sell to like corporate partners and, you know, various businesses right now, like they, they'll put their money elsewhere. And, uh, you know, to me, I think a lot of this was probably already predetermined for for this World Junior. We may see things get even more grim in terms of sales and, and advertising, things like that, when it comes to, you know, the, the regularly scheduled World Juniors that maybe didn't have a lot of things already pre-sold prior to the scandals uh, kind of bursting onto the public scene. So, you know, I guess I'm not feeling sorry for Hockey Canada, not one bit. I kind of feel sorry, I guess, for the young players who they don't have anything to do with this. And this is probably not the environment, you know, and not the tournament that they maybe thought they were getting into. But in terms of the leadership of Hockey Canada, like you kind of reap what you sow, Huss. And, uh, I think in some ways we're going to start to see them have to pay the piper here. And frankly, it's about time. Well, and what's scary is that, I mean, Hockey Canada isn't just the national men's team and the national junior team. Um, this is, you know, the organization that runs the sport at every level, at grassroots level, sledge hockey, our incredibly successful women's program. All of that will be affected if the funding is cut off. And, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal you know, financially having worked there, knowing how big of a money machine Hockey Canada has been, but that's on the back of their premier sponsors. Right. So Tim Hortons, 
you go down the list, all of them, listen, their check's cleared. Hockey Canada's got the money, and they've still said, we don't want to be front and center at this event right now. And I mean, the other major partner of Hockey Canada is, of course, TSN. And listen, I haven't watched any of this game tonight. Tomorrow, Canada will play Latvia to get things going. And I am going to be so interested to see how TSN handles the Canada games. I mean, Bob and Kenzie's there. Craig Button's there. I mean, they're going to do their best to put on the regular world junior programming, which a lot of hockey fans do want to see and learn about the players. Um, but TSN is kind of that partner, and to their credit, they built this event. I mean, we right. talk about the world juniors because of the work that TSN's done over yeah. the last couple of decades. Um, how that relationship will be positioned will be maybe one of the most interesting sports media stories we've had in a very long time. Well, I'll say this, Huss, they sure as hell better not just completely bury their heads in the sand and pretend that what's going on is not happening. Like I, I fully expect, and I think people should basically demand that they pay heed to, to the reality of, of hockey in this country and junior hockey, especially in hockey Canada. I mean, if Rick Westhead isn't being brought on as a, as a guest here to talk about some of his findings uh, if they're not commissioning, you know, panels to have legitimate discussions and not just pay lip service, then I think they've failed, you know, uh, on a on a significant front here. So I'm I'm fascinated as well to see if they try to just put on a brave face and pretend none of this is happening. I don't think they can do that. I really don't. And I saw I think it was Gordon Miller tweeted the other day, made it sound like they have some plans to that extent. They're not going to run and hide from this, even though they're putting on the broadcast. And I, I think when I saw Gordon Miller's tweet, it almost sounded like he was personally given the option of whether he wanted to participate in this. And he was explaining why he feels it's important to do that. And it sort of goes to what I said a few minutes ago about, you know, feeling bad for some of these kids. Like they, they're not part of the issue. Like they, they didn't do anything wrong. And so the thinking is, well, why punish, you know, them? Why punish the athletes for things that others have done or haven't done? But yeah, I mean, TSN better cover this, um, you know, in a significant way. And that, that'll be really interesting to watch. And I'll be curious, frankly, to see what the ratings are for the World Junior. And I'm sure if they're bad, they'll explain them away and say, well, it's summer and people have other things to do. But, uh, you know, again, I think this is, uh, this it's all starting to catch up. To, uh, to Hockey Canada, and uh, and and it's it's deserved. It really is. Yeah, I know. And someone, I believe Stonewall Davis said, to be fair, TSN all did much of the reporting on this too. Well, Rick Westhead did, but Rick Westhead yeah. is, and maybe this is unfair, but in some ways he's almost an adversary to many of the guys on the hockey beat. Right. I mean, when Rick Westhead starts poking his nose around with the Blackhawks or with Hockey Canada – it puts a lot of the quote-unquote insiders in very difficult positions. And listen, that entire uh, profession, and I won't single anyone out in particular, looked pretty bad, frankly, especially during the entire Blackhawks ordeal. I mean, as if these guys didn't know some of this was happening, and yeah. yet it was crickets everywhere, broadcasting, reporting, until essentially everyone in the hockey public was going, where the hell are all these guys that are supposed to know everything that's going on in the business? Where, why is it Rick Westhead that's doing this all? So 
Um, you know, I mean, he is a CTV TSN employee, but a very, very different job. And, um, you know, even to this point, I think these guys read the room and realized that there were some things that they needed to at least boost if they weren't going to go get on a, right. a platform and use their own to speak to it. Um, but I mean, Rick's role and then how it is handled by guys that I really like. I mean, Craig Button's one of our favorite dudes and he's more of yeah. a scout guy. He's a little different, but I mean, Bob McKenzie, um, has been so inside with Hockey Canada for so long. He's on the panel right now. Um, I've checked his Twitter feed a bunch. It's all pimping margaritas. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of other things right now. And you wonder at some point, you know, how how that is going to be included into the broadcast because it's the elephant in the room that nobody really can or should ignore. For sure. And, and you know, I think people like that that have enormous platforms that can do some real good with those platforms – uh, have a lot of them have been all too silent on on this, and you know, yeah, maybe there's been some some retweets here and there, but in terms of them actually sinking their teeth and putting their resources into discovering what went wrong and amplifying it, there hasn't been a whole lot of that. And I think some of that Huss, is a case of they don't want to bite the hand that's kind of fed them for a long time and fed them really well. Um, and so you know, Rick Westhead. Um, he's, he's, he's a trailblazer and Katie Strang has done some terrific work, of course, as well. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they they've been few and far between and it shouldn't just be one or two. And you'd like to think that the snowball effect that we're seeing here on a lot of these cases coming to light, that there'd be a similar journalistic snowball effect with other prominent hockey writers getting in on this. Um, we just haven't seen a whole lot of that to date and, you know, I think in terms of the World Juniors and Hockey Canada, Huss, you probably know this as well as anybody, but I think for a long time there's been this thought, this is before all the, the scandal came to light, that they got a little too big for their britches, right? That, that they're hundred oh, percent. Yeah. And I mean that the world juniors, like they they took what it was, and obviously it grew and grew and grew, but go back they, to nineteen ninety-nine in Winnipeg. I mean, that right. event was so well done, so well attended. And at that point, they said, you know what? Okay, we've outgrown the Winnipegs. We're putting this in right. Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver. We're packing, we're charging NHL prices and putting yeah. in NHL buildings because we can. And um, listen, I mean, I, that was even during the time where I was working for Hockey Canada, albeit on the women's side of something I'm immensely proud of. Um, and I appreciated the opportunities that I was given, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that I felt that there was a level of hubris amongst that organization yeah. that really kind of felt like they could do no wrong. And, um, you know, finally we saw a bit of a reckoning with some empty seats in some of these buildings. I mean, they pushed it as far as they can. That's what professional teams do all the time. We're seeing it happen here in Winnipeg. I mean, in markets around Hockey Canada, it happened first just because of how much they pushed that envelope. Right. And they didn't think it would ever come back to haunt them. No, there's an arrogance for sure, and uh, a lot of people eating humble pie these days, no doubt. And, you know, I think for, you know, we, you could go down the list and find all kinds of things that Hockey Canada has done wrong. Um, but, of course, all the bad maybe business decisions that they've made are trumped by the, the horrific kind of moral and ethical uh, mistakes egregious mistakes in some cases that were made and uh, there's there's a reckoning happening for sure um you know change is happening it's probably not happening quick enough 
Um, and, and at this point, you know, maybe not as sweeping as some would like, but uh, uh, how this World Junior and then the upcoming one as well plays out, that may be added to the long list of, of Hockey Canada blunders here and miscalculations. But hey, let, uh, let me ask you this just to finish this off, because Andrea Skinner has been named the interim um, chair of the board of directors, right. um, which is an important first step. But, I mean, when you look at this, Mike, I mean, what is the best case scenario moving forward to minimize the damage, to get the game back going in the right direction, to learn, make changes, and move forward. Uh, for, I'll be honest, the first name that comes to my mind happens to be working for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, but it's Haley Wickenheiser. Yeah. Um, I mean, having some key influential champion players from the women's side, I think would go very well to do it. I don't think there's any doubt that they'll be um, far more female involvement in the board and things going forward. But big picture, when you look at this, um, if you were giving suggestions, how do they build and move on from this tournament right now going into next hockey season and implement things to help the game get to where it needs to be? Well, and I think inclusion of some prominent voices and not just as a PR move. Uh, you know, I, I interviewed Greg Gilhooley a couple of weeks ago and and he said uh, he had an interesting line where he said, you know, they probably think they can just say Sheldon Kennedy's name three times like Beetlejuice and and it'll make everything go away. And, you know, Greg, who knows Sheldon really well, and of course, both victims of, of Graham James said a guy like Sheldon Kennedy is long past you know, the, the, the patience where you can just use his good name to kind of fix your broken system and your reputation. And so I think people like Greg Gilhooley, like Sheldon Kennedy, people who've lived it, um, who, who've, you know, been involved in hockey and, and certainly seen the dark side of it, their voices need to be heard. And that's why I, I really question how serious Hockey Canada is about a lot of this. I mean, it was two weeks ago I interviewed Greg and he said Hockey Canada still won't even return his calls. Like they don't want to hear from him because they don't like what he has to say. Well, you know what? Maybe if you have listened to people like him uh, along the way here, you wouldn't be in the giant self-inflicted hole that you've created for yourself. Uh, but again, it just speaks to that hubris, that that arrogance, that ego that has often gotten in their own way. So for sure... You know, today's announcement, I think, is a positive step, but there's got to be more, um, you know, and I think some of these guys who've at this point refused to admit any wrongdoing, refused to step down, like there needs to be a full-scale house cleaning, I think, um, that, even if it's just the optics, if nothing else, just for the optics that you've cleaned house, you're starting fresh, and I think who you bring in is ultra important you better have people who have lived kind of the experience who are connected to the community and who aren't just going to be seen as yes men you know the old boys club that it will just be business as usual so uh, to me I mean in, in the grassroots like we're seeing a lot of uh, various uh, hockey associations you know Hockey Manitoba now has come out in defense of Hockey Canada like, I think this goes beyond just Hockey Canada. We need to see this happen at the grassroots level so there isn't this belief that it's just everybody covering for everybody, which unfortunately I think has been the case for far too long.
Yeah, no doubt. Mike McIntyre with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hey, just quickly before we go, and this has been a great chat, uh, are we going to be talking about a 10-0 and football team heading into their bye week on Friday? I think we are, and we're going to be talking about a very tired team that uh, should get every minute of their bye, uh, you know, to go do as they please, to, to put their feet up, to rest and relax, because this Bomber team... Uh, I don't think we can come up with enough words to describe what what Mike O'Shea and company have done with this group. Like they have every excuse in the book to have had a poor performance or two here and a misstep or a blunder along the way. And all they keep doing is is winning and making it look relatively easy. It is truly remarkable. The culture that they've built around this team it's the culture that every sports team in every sports league talks about trying to get to and very few actually ever accomplish. Uh, but the Bombers have it. Uh, they have a group that just will will not take the foot off the gas. Uh, and so I see no reason, Huss, that this Thursday will be any different than last week, that you know, again, yeah, they're tired. They're a bit banged up, although they're getting healthier. Uh, but I just see no reason to to ever count these Bombers out. And uh, maybe the only thing that can stop the Bombers right now is rest. Like, I, I guess we'll see how they come out of the buys that they have coming up. But this is a team that has been going basically nonstop since camp. They're about to get a whole bunch of stops now built in over the next couple months on the road to the Grey Cup. And I guess the only concern I'd have is how do they how do they navigate that? I mean, is that going to slow them down in any way? Normally, I'd say some rest and recovery is not a bad thing. But when things have been going so well... You hope that it's not that that ultimately uh, kind of derails you. Well, the fact of the matter is, I mean, they've got nine wins, potentially 10 going in before they've even had a bye. Um, <laughs> you know, and Mike O'Shea's been here before. This team has been here before. I mean, they'll be fully focused on clinching that West final. I don't think anyone's beaten the Winnipeg Blue Bombers outdoors in Winnipeg at IG Field in November. Hey, you know what? I was going to break, but I may as well hit this you. I mean, you've made some big changes in life. You're looking amazing. You lost all that weight. Um, and this kind of speaks to the connection between the Bombers, some of the key most important players, and the fan base. I was talking to Rian Marcoux over at uh, the uh, the Bomber office about you know a couple things for the show and the upcoming game. Yeah. And I was asking about Willie Jefferson and this challenge for life. I'm not sure whether you've seen this, but the challenge for life is coming up. And um, Willie, this was something that was totally put forward by him, by the player. Um he wanted to participate in the Challenge for Life, which is a Cancer Care Manitoba fundraiser, and wanted to get fans involved. And the challenge is to complete 20 kilometers or 200 non-continuous minutes of exercise between the 4th and the 14th. So on the 14th at 10 a.m., everyone's going to come to the stadium to finish the last leg together. Of course, Willie will be there hosting. They're going to set up circuit-style stations that people can rotate or rotate through, or they can walk laps around the field. My Gym St. Patel is also going to have a kids area set up. Um, we'll get the link out so people can either donate or start it on. But I was just so impressed by this. And even more so when I found out that this was actually yeah. initiated by the player. And, um, you know, these are sort of things go a long way, even if you're not a perfect undefeated football team in the middle of, you know, what could be a dynasty. Right. Um, 
But I mean, there's a lot of other teams, and you know who I'm talking about that I'm sure would kill to have a player as noteworthy as Willie Jefferson start and go forward with something that they not only put their name behind, but really connect with the fans to get people involved. And I wanted to bring it up because hopefully yeah. a number of Winnipeg sports talk listeners will get involved. Um, you know, I know Wheeler did that ride inside that was a, a little while ago. But I mean, listen, and this is great. Blake's done a lot of cool things in the community. Um, but, you know, and part of that is being the captain. Um, this is sounds like something in season that Willie's jumped on. And um, I mean, it's just a really cool thing. It speaks very highly of the player, of the team, the community. And I think that Winnipeg fans, I think, are going to um, get involved in this at way higher numbers than if Willie Jefferson decided that um, this wasn't something that he was going to put his name behind or really get involved in. Well, and I think it it speaks sort of more broadly to what, what the Bombers have been able to do and why they've been so successful. They haven't just built this team with really good football players. They've built the room with really good human beings, with good people um, who hold each other accountable, who have a lot of fun, who, who get along great, who are in it kind of for each other, who have each other's backs and who love this community and the community loves them back. And, you know, again, when we think about some of the dark days of the bombers and the disconnect, I think, that was happening on and off the field here. Um, to get where they now are and and to have people like Willie Jefferson and Adam Big Hill and that leading the way, um, you know, just speaks to the job that everyone in this organization kind of top to bottom has done. And as for the challenge house, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I just ran, I participated in the 5K and the Manitoba Marathon uh, back in June on Father's Day. There's nothing like the rush of kind of running into that stadium. And I only did the three miles. Like, it's not like I had run the full marathon or even the half. But I'll tell you, it's one of the coolest things, one of the best feelings just for an average Joe. So for folks who, you know, want to get in on this uh, and and like you said, the final leg and at the stadium, and like that's an experience that that you'll remember forever. And I can't kind of encourage it uh, enough to get involved. Yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, get online. You can just Google search challenge for life, cancer care, Manitoba. Uh, I'm sure there's some links from uh, the Bombers site. And if you're with us on YouTube, check out the link uh, that Remus has up in the chat. Mike, awesome chat. Thanks so much for taking a bit of extra time. Lots to get to today. Have a good one. Enjoy the game on the weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. You bet, Husk. Uh, have a great week. Take care. Appreciate it. There's Mike McIntyre. Uh, man, we hit a lot with Mike today. Uh, we're going to get Remus back in here. Uh, do want to thank our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club doing a bit of a media event for the upcoming Canadian Mid-Am and Senior Women's coming to Breezy at the end of the month. Hopefully going to get out there on Monday and maybe do the show from there if everything works out. Of course, if you're thinking about a great home for your family, uh, for your golfing future, talk to Corey Johnson over at Breezy about getting on the waiting list for next year. And you can find out everything that Breezy has waiting for you and your family online at breezybend.ca. Uh, you know what goes great with the round at Breezy or a football game on Thursday? How about Canadian Club or the new drink of the summer, the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale? It is, of course, available at um, your favorite beer store or liquor store, but it's also available at the game. I know there'll be a few CC and Gingers enjoying at the Princess Auto tailgate party before the game, and certainly in at IG Field, along with the rest of the Beam Suntory and Canadian Club products. 
Again, grab the RTD, CC and Ginger, at your local beer store today. All right, we do have to get to our cool bet picks for tonight, as well as our horse picks. But let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, Remo, um, great stuff with Mike McIntyre. We sure did hit a lot of topics there with Mike, and uh, I was particularly interested in his take on the uh, Hockey Canada stories. He's been all over it, and... uh, I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow when Canada pays Latvia, but I can tell you right now, it's not going to feel like a normal world junior here in Canada. Yeah, well, it's summer, first of all. I mean, uh, I'm not sure how many people want to go inside and watch uh, watch some summer hockey, especially the game that's going on when it's not Canada. We'll see what it's like when it's Canada. But yeah, of course, a lot going on with Hockey Canada with the sexual assault allegations. And it does look weird without the boards. And we'll see how many people want to show up, see how many people want to wave the flag. We are, you know, looking at the tweets with Scott Wheeler. I had the one earlier who had uh, one from the game. And I think it was Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News saying it's, it's a lot of the players were actually from other teams or scouts. So different. You know, I find it interesting that there's also going to be another world, you know, the regularly scheduled World Junior is going to be in December. So interesting, definitely uh, interesting times here. It does give you a lot of memories of, the bubble as much as we want to forget, forget yeah, the bubble. No, exactly that. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines here. Uh, hey, our friends at cool bet actually have a special prop bet for tonight's Jays game. And I am all over it. It's a cool bet exclusive Jays to win over the Orioles and Alec Manoa over five and a half strikeouts. He's averaged over a strikeout in inning and four career starts against the Orioles and he's gone six-plus innings in three of four. So there you have it, the exclusive. Plus 250, Jays to win, and Manoa over five-and-a-half strikeouts. Uh, as far as everything else happening at Cool Bet, we've got some great tennis action going on at the National Bank Open. All the odds are there for you. We've got World Junior odds uh, that are up right now. A little later on tonight, it's Finland-Latvia. Germany and the United States and tomorrow, Switzerland and Sweden. I'm sure Canada will be a heavy favorite in their first game of the tournament, uh, which is tomorrow against the Latvians, a 5 p.m. start. Uh, And of course, CFL lines for the weekend. Not much change from yesterday. Bombers still 12-point favorites. Ticats opened up as one-point favorites. It's now one and a half. BC was a half-point favorite. BC's now favored by one and a half. And Saskatchewan still five-point favorites on the road against the Elks in the late game on Saturday night. If you've never played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll give you a 100% bonus up to $200 at Cool Bet Canada for using the promo code WST. Remo, we actually hit a couple winners last night at the track. Our boy King Witt coming through. Or no, Witt's Coco. Witt's Coco. And we had talked about, we've been following the horse racing scene here. Everyone knows a lot of people pissed off at Witt's Coco, at least the jockey for not trying to win when he would had a comfortable lead. Uh, the contra- We talked about Darren Dunn a couple weeks ago. Well, he was back in action yesterday, and both of us bet on Witt's Coco, and he won, so... Uh, won that one. Didn't win that other one where he, uh, you know, stopped <laughs> racing, running in the middle I'm of always, it. I'm always on the wit, wit horses. And actually, that's a nice transition into the picks for tonight. Again, 730 uh, post time for race number one out of Cinnaboya Downs. Uh, okay. 
Where are we starting? Race two. We've got a 2-6 Quinella, fat and bitter, one of my favorite named horses, along with Sky View. Uh, $3 Quinella on that. Race number three, another $3 Quinella. I'm a sucker for the Wit horses, so I'm going with both of them in this one. The two favorites, King Wit and Wit America, number two and number six. Uh, race number four, we're going a $3 bet on number four to win. That is Kate's Princess. Wait a second. I thought I was going on a lot of spunk. Uh, $3 win number one. Yes, a lot of spunk. Horse number one in race four. Uh, in race number five, we've got $3 to win on number six. And uh, that is out on Saturday. Uh, race number six. We're going with the uh, $2 to win on horse number six. That hot, is... Hot Linda. Yes, Hot Linda. Love that name. Hot Linda's getting it. And then the hot, final Hot Linda's selection. getting it is what you Sorry, said. Sorry, that, that, that sounded... It's not what I intended to say. But getting the win. Hot Linda getting the win. And I will be on Hot Linda. Sorry, I, I will be, be on, on I'll Hot be Linda. Betting, way, way betting on Hot Linda. This is just getting worse. Um, final, <laughs> final bet, final bet, uh, race seven, we're going to triactor box with our boy Drizzy, not Freudian Con slip, contraband and Dan's a rebel two, five, eight. There are my picks for tonight after a nice plus $20 evening last night. Uh, where are you going? All right. All over hot Linda. I don't know about you. Uh, uh. Uh, Hot yes. Linda's getting it. Um, who am I taking? <laughs> who am I taking? Oh man, how could I not? Hot get Linda's on... taken. Gonna have to get on top of Hot Linda here. No, I'm taking. Um... Let me go through my picks. Uh, race three, I got a two six Quinella. That's King Lit, King Wet and Wet America. How do you not? Take okay, those. we both are on that. Let's do it. Double double uh, dosage of the wit horses. I always love them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Chat just showed up. Uh, showed up. I had to kick him out. Yeah, um, she heard us talking about Hot Linda. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, it was race four. I got a one for Quinella. A lot of spunk. And Kate's princess. And I'm on race five. I'm taking... Oh yeah, really slow to win. Really slow. That you that's an automatic bet when I said really slow was on the card. And uh race seven. I'm on uh Drizzy to win. Drizzy. I didn't take I didn't take Hotlanda. You can you, you know can what? Take Our, that that was that was in number uh, number seven. But there actually we could have common wins. And I know we're both on the wit horses uh, in there. Anyways, if you are able to get out to the track, it'll be another great night to uh, watch the live racing. Uh, but if you do want to make a few wages at home, use hpibet.com and uh, right where the same site that we're working on, you can bet at Cinnaboy Downs as well as tracks all around the world, and you can watch the games. Uh, the watch the races, I should say, with Stretch and Kirk at the Assiniboia Downs YouTube page. Uh, hot Linda, the, the entire Hot Linda ordeal has completely derailed the chat. I well, knew that would happen the I, minute I started um, fumbling all over my uh, you my just, simple wager for You're just for talking hot about Linda. who you're betting, and because exactly. I guess it's the horse named Hot Linda, we're having some fun. <laughs> I mean, this is why you tune in 
to the end. This is the best part of the show. When when Hot I come back Linda on getting a marble for sure. Paul Linda, yeah. We'll see. If Paul Linda wins tonight, you win some yeah. money. For sure. I do want to say uh we're closing in on 8K subs, so come on. Hit the uh thumbs up, hit the red subscribe. Can we get to 200 likes on the show? I don't know. And then also, uh in our description, we got the Instagram and TikTok. Uh, follow us on those. I've been posting some show highlights from the summer. We gotta, gotta make some content as it's that Beautiful. slow time of year. Well, it, exactly. But uh, thanks to everyone that joined us. And yeah, if you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that red subscribe button on YouTube. We're very close to eight thousand. Looking forward to breaking that milestone. And if you have the opportunity to tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk mm-hmm. and how they can find us each and every day live on YouTube at one p.m. and in their podcast feed later on the afternoon. We greatly appreciate it. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to the turtle man, Milt Stiegel, for jumping on and a great extended convo with Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, And thanks to everyone for making us a part of your day. Big show tomorrow. Mason Appleton of the Winnipeg Jets, Stanley Bryant of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and Marat Atesh of the Athletic. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then on WST. Have a great night, and thanks for watching. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com.